0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Bold. Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin. And if you're using a Bible, you'll find Colossians on page 1832 in that book rack Bible. Everybody's Bible open. So we're in this little series called Say Thanks. It's a simple series, three weeks talking about gratitude. Last week we said that gratitude is something we should hear in our prayers. Did you hear more thanksgiving in your prayers this week? Did you remember? Did you think about that? Or was it all just ask? Hopefully it was a lot more thanks. Thanks is something we should hear in our prayers. But it should also be something that we see on our faces, Sometimes we forget to translate to our countenance what we really believe in our hearts, and we're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to see in the book of Colossians several places where gratitude comes out in a a very practical way, and I hope this will be of encouragement to your life as it has been to mine, four distinct principles concerning gratefulness that emerge in our text. Now, the book of Colossians, just by way of introduction, uh, we're going to kind of walk our way through it this morning. Um, The theme is not gratitude. The theme is the supremacy of Christ. And that's, to me, what's beautiful about what we're going to talk about today is that in the midst of some of the greatest themes of theology and scripture, uh, we have this woven thread of gratefulness. Gratefulness in all things. Gratefulness in trials. Gratefulness in beauty. Gratefulness in the glory of God. Gratefulness. Gratefulness gratefulness. We become grateful people. Of, of anybody in the world, Christians should be the most grateful people. And I think we'll see that as we read our text this this morning. So let's, uh, let's pop into it right away. We're going to look at chapter 1, verse 9 through 14, and then we'll pop over to chapter 2 and then chapter 3. So just follow along as I read. Chapter 1, 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have in great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share In the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All right, we'll stop right there. Uh, I'm pointing out to you in this book three sections where you could just see the theme being thankfulness, gratitude, gratefulness. It's really simple to see. As a review, we said last week we should be hearing thanks in our prayers. And just so we keep that in touch with where we are today, look at chapter one, verse three, where Paul begins this letter, this prison epistle. He's writing from a prison in Rome. He says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now that's hearing it in our prayers. Go over to chapter four, verse two, where he instructs the Colossians. He says, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and what? Thankful. Thankful. There it is. Hear it in our prayers. Now see it in our countenance. So we want to look at today, our countenance. Why should we be grateful people? Why should gratefulness come out through the way we express ourselves? Well, let me give you one reason. Right out of chapter one, that gratitude to God is the telling mark of belonging to him. Gratitude to God is the telling mark of belonging to him this really defines who we are if you drop down to verse 12 again just as a reminder there in the middle of this sentence paul writes giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light why because he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins now this this is so beautiful it's so simple it's so powerful The reason we should be the most grateful people in the world is because God has saved us, God has redeemed us, God has rescued us, and for some of us it doesn't feel that way. Maybe we became Christians as young people, children, I became a a Christ follower as a little boy, but I've sort of been reminded all through my life the blessing of what it means to really belong to Christ, and the more you grow in Christ, the more you realize just what a blessing that is that we don't deserve salvation. It's nothing that we did to earn it. We've not, you know, raised, we've not made some bar or some qualification on our own. We've simply come by faith and we've believed on Christ and in believing Jesus has rescued us, given us eternal life. I talked to someone this past week who was on the women's retreat and And wonderfully, the Lord opened her heart to receive Christ. She didn't go on the retreat to come to Christ. She was actually just in a really tough place, and she was just open. Her heart just said, I just need to get away. And a friend invited her to go to the camp, and she went to our women's retreat, and she was uh, really kind of a, a rebel to God. Never was interested in God, didn't believe in Jesus. And she said, the most incredible miracle happened as I was there in the meetings. It was like the Lord just opened my eyes to see him. I'd never seen him before. And I'm a believer in Jesus. I mean, she's tears. Just like, my life has changed forever. And it was a reminder to me, this is what God does. He surprises us. He shows up and he reveals himself to us. And he brings us to a relationship with him. And no matter what your story is, the element of your story includes being rescued and being delivered, being brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. This is what God has done for us. Aren't you glad for that? And, and, and to be honest, we take it for granted. We, we almost get a sense of... of uh, um, entitlement as Christians don't we sometimes we just think well you know of course the Lord loves us he's a loving God and of course we just take it all for granted that God has bestowed such rich blessing and and mercy on our lives so what Paul's saying here first is that as he's and remember Paul's in prison as he's writing this letter he's saying look we we should be thankful because really being thankful is the telling mark he's qualified us to become followers now, the opposite of this is true as well. The flip side is true. That if you're an unbeliever, you may not think about it this way, but as an unbeliever, you actually choose not to thank God. That's actually found in Scripture in Romans chapter one. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. This is Romans 1:21. Read along with me. Ready? Here we go. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. For their, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul is describing here the depravity of man, theological word, depravity, meaning that we do not choose God on our own. We we push God away. Our natural inclination is to return, not with thanksgiving and, and surrender to the God of the universe, but to actually push away. This is our default. No one searches after God. Romans 3 is clear on this. Nobody has it in their mind just to follow God, serve God. So if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, then you know that that's a supernatural work that God has done in your heart already, just to give you belief, just to open your eyes to see. And Paul in Romans 1 reminds us that until God does open our eyes, in our depraved state, Even though we know things about God, we look in the creation we see there must be a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Psalm 19 tells us, you know, creation in Romans 1 is mentioned as a signature of God over our hearts. Like I think the French philosopher said that in every person God has placed a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. And yet we go through our lives, we know about God, but instead of giving him thanks, Paul writes in Romans, he says, our thinking became futile, our foolish hearts were darkened. We don't give thanks to God. And so one of the marks of of a true believer is that we give thanks to God. So if you're taking notes, I'm simply pointing out how gratitude relates to our spiritual condition. It really says a lot about who we are. The psalmist, all through the psalms, we find words like this, but I'm gonna point out Psalm 100, verse four. Let me just put it on the screen. Let's read that one out loud together. Psalm 100, verse four, ready? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, for the believer in Christ, that's actually simple. Uh, We need to be reminded, like the psalmist tells us, but we don't need a whole lot of coaxing once we realize that God has forgiven our sins, he's given us eternal life, he's brought us into his kingdom, he's rescued us from our life of despair and hopelessness outside of Christ, and so we come into the gates of the throne of God with thanksgiving in our hearts. Remember when we studied the book of Leviticus a few months ago? Hope you haven't forgotten that book. And in the book of Leviticus, one of the, one of the offerings was a thank offering, remember? God wanted his people to, to remember what he had done for them and to bring an offering of thanksgiving. And that's a beautiful reminder to us as well today. I'm suggesting here that belonging to God should sweeten our disposition. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, when you belong to God we should have a sweeter disposition. Our countenance should reflect that. I like how someone has described how some of us as believers look as if we've been weaned on a dill pickle. <laughs> just let that sink in for just a second. And just Have you ever seen a picture of yourself, kind of a candid moment, and you just look so sullen? You really weren't sad, but your face just looked kind of... Have you ever had that experience? Yeah. Ooh, that's not a good picture. You know? <laughs> I thought for this sermon, we thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we took snapshots of people in our congregation and put them on the screen, you know, (laughs) oh, I don't know, you know, you know, and we've all, I, I don't know, I have a kind of a serious countenance a lot, I've realized that, you know, because I see enough pictures of myself sometimes where I go, man, I'm so serious all the time, and sometimes people will even stop me, they go, Lair, are you okay, you know, (laughs) you look like you're really sad, I, I mean, that's I, so I think about that. I think, what is my countenance saying to people? And we don't want to go to the other extreme of that. It's just always sort of like pasting this, you know, <laughs> smile on our face. Not being plastic, not a facade, but something real, something noticeable, something that when people are around us, they encounter a countenance that is truly filled with gratitude to God. I had my first paying job was a job, I worked on a loading dock of a truck company in my senior, summer my senior year in high school and the owner of the truck company went to the church that I went to as a, as a kid growing up and so he would hire a lot of you know young, right out of high school, early college years guys, especially during the summer and we were at graveyard shift and so here we were graveyard shift, bunch of the guys from the church and a bunch of guys that did not go to church, did not have a relationship with God. And we just had fun together as guys that knew the Lord. And so we'd play a lot of practical jokes on each other. It was all in fun. We worked really hard. And we played really hard. And on breaks, we prayed. We played. We came up with games, you know, that we'd play with the forklift and stuff. Just, I, I, I hope that the owner never saw that stuff. But anyway, we just, we just had a lot of fun. I remember one time, these guys that didn't know the Lord, just kind of almost angry at us. You guys have too much fun. You know, they're just like, Whoa, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, but they noticed that, that, that we enjoyed being around each other. We enjoyed having fun with each other. And they knew also that we were hard workers. And, and that spoke to them somehow. Now, to them, it was kind of a conviction because they kind of like coming to work complaining about their families, complaining. I remember older guys thinking, I never want to be like that. Complaining about families, complaining about marriage, complaining about life, complaining about the government, complaining, complaining, complaining you in a work environment where that's kind of going on all the time? Just it's always about complaining, 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 complaining. And wouldn't it be interesting if, if in the spirit of the workplace where you are in, there was just this effervescent attitude of gratefulness that came out of your life. Grateful to God. Grateful for his love. Grateful for his, our, our relationship with him. Just grateful. I'm just grateful. Because when you're grateful, that's going to show in your life. Gratitude to God is a telling mark of really belonging to him. There's a second thing I want to point out in this Colossians 1 passage that gratitude to God also demonstrate our pursuit of living for him. Now go back up to verse 9. Let's do something a little more textual in, in this passage. Paul says, for this reason we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. A lot we could unpack there, but I want to point to verse 10. And we pray this in order that, whenever you read in the New Testament this little phrase, it's called the Hena Clause in the Greek, in order that's translated in order that, that's really important. What is the purpose? Why Paul was praying? Why was he asking for spiritual wisdom and understanding? So that we may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now when you study a language to help us get a stronger meaning from the text, you look for controlling verbs. You look for verbs around which everything else speaks up to. And in this passage, the controlling verb, if you want to underline in your own Bibles there, is the little phrase that we translate, live a life worthy. That's the, that's the controlling verb. And what follows that in the Greek language are four participles. A participle modifies the, the primary verb, okay? And let me show you the four participles, which will, and I'm not, I'm not just trying to do an English lesson here, and believe me, I'm not qualified to do that anyway. Um, but what I do understand of the Greek language and how it's formed is that these participles are really important. If we're gonna live a life worthy, here's how it's done, Paul says. Bearing fruit in every good work, that's number one. Growing in the knowledge of God, that's number two. That's a participle, two. Number three, being strengthened with all power. That's the third participle. And then jump down to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. That's the fourth. So those four pursuits are what add up to a life lived worthily. And a life that's lived worthily actually pleases God. That's good. Do you see that right there? In verse 10, live a life worthy of the Lord that you may please him in every way. How many, if I asked you to raise your hand, don't, how many want to please the Lord this morning? We'd, I think we'd all, yes, want to please the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Do we just do that by going to church? No, we do that by According to this passage, by bearing fruit, by what? By bearing fruit, by growing in the knowledge of God, by being strengthened with His power, and by giving thanks. So, if you're taking notes, I'm simply pointing out how gratitude relates to what we chase in our lives. What are you chasing? What are the things that you're pursuing right now? Might I suggest to you that in the midst of whatever you're pursuing, those four attributes that we just looked at would be a beautiful hallmark, a beautiful aiming point for our lives. What I'm saying in principle form is that not just belonging to God motivates a sweeter disposition, but living for God motivates a sweeter disposition. And and it's just true. Just look at your own life. When you live, when you're pursuing what God wants in your life, there's a greater joy and a greater sense of thankfulness for what he's done in your life. But when you push that away, when you don't really live for God, when you shift things into neutral, like we all do at times, we tend to go to the default of complaining, frustrations, we get agitated, life looks really dark, people annoy us, and we just it just gets kind of lousy. But when we're pursuing the things of the Lord in our lives, there becomes kind of a spirit of anticipation, God's at work, I'm not saying that it's easy, and it's not plastic, it's just just real. There's joy. There's gratefulness that comes. Now, sometimes in the church, we're a little afraid to let people know that we're struggling, you know, because we're really into image, and that's wrong. We should not be. I, I tell people all the time at neighborhood church it's okay to not be okay um and what I mean by that what it's not like we want you to stay in a state of not being okay, but it's it's a safe place to say i'm not I'm not doing good and pray for me and that's that's all part of that pursuit thing, you know, and so we don't come in just with plastic smiles on our face and we got a lot of junk inside and we're all mad and frustrated, but we're just like, Hi, how are you? everything's great, you know and, You know, and I've had, literally, I've had it where I've been on so autopilot, I'm walking through the lobby, you know, uh, hey, how are you? And someone says, I'm not doing so good. I just, I don't even hear it. Oh, great, good to see you. I walk by, you know. (laughs) And then I realize, like three steps later, what did I, ah, what did I do? I go chase the person down. Did you say you were not doing good? Yeah, I'm not doing good. Oh, man, I'm a jerk. Sorry about that. I'm, you know. So, so we stop and talk and we share our lives and we say, what's really going on? You know, the prayer room, every Sunday we talk about the prayer room and people go in there and do huge things with God. And sometimes I wonder the reason why maybe some of us decide to walk past the prayer room and out is because we're just afraid to say we've got a need in our lives. We're not really being honest. And there's an appropriate place, you know, to let it all out and and that's why community is really important, I feel, for people that don't have community in their life because they're just, you know, ready to explode and, and finally they look for maybe a pastor and pastors are busy too and sometimes we just feel like nobody cares but we're not in community and so we don't have anybody to kind of process stuff in our lives. So just a little reminder, of the importance of why in our, at Neighborhood Church we move from worship into community because we want to have safe places, safety nets where we can actually share our hearts and talk about the needs that are in our lives. But we know that when we're walking with Christ, when we're living for God, there's, there's a great sense that comes more naturally of thankfulness and gratitude that is in our lives. We see God at work. Yesterday, we celebrated the life of Bruce Craig, and it was a beautiful service here, and, and we just, it was glorious. And everybody that stood up to give tribute about Bruce remembered, and maybe you knew Bruce, and you remember just how he brought humor into everything in his life. And, and that was just a part of his life, but I, but I know the reason it was a part of his life. It was a part of his life because he was a man that was always pursuing those four things that we just talked about here in this text. He was always pursuing a life of fruitfulness. He was always pursuing a life of understanding in the knowledge of God. He was always pursuing a life of wanting to be strengthened with the Lord. And he was always pursuing a life of being thankful and grateful for what he had, what God had given him. And so our, our pursuits uh, say a lot also and, and should say a lot about our our gratitude before God. Here's a third thing. Go over to chapter 2 now in Colossians. And that is where we find that gratitude to God reflects not only our pursuit of living for him and not only the mark of belonging to him, but also our daily walk with him. Our daily walk with him. And uh, this is a very similar text that we find in chapter one. The controlling verb here again is to live, verse six, to continue to live in him. That's a controlling verb, parapateo, to live. Or we, some of us use the word walk. Some of your translations say to continue to walk in him. Um, the, the idea of the walk, the Christian walk, is the idea of my daily experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. If somebody asks you, how's your walk? They're saying, how are you doing with Jesus? They're not asking, you know, do you, do you walk straight? Do you have, you know, they're asking, and I know that's simple, we use that, but that's, that's what Paul's saying here, he says, to live In him, or to walk in him, and here come some more participles, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Here he uses an adjective. The way our thankfulness should be seen is actually overflowing. Not just eking out occasionally, but it should just be like a fountain that just keeps coming out of our lives. Overflowing with gratitude. Dozens of times every day we're given the opportunity to adjust our attitude. Um, I, when I was youth ministry, as a high schooler, our youth pastor had a little thing where, you know, if you were going along, is an example. You're driving down the road in the bus as we're going to camp, and the bus breaks down. Okay, so we're on the side of the road, and we're waiting, and it's going to take forever for the thing to get fixed, and, and you know you're going to miss out on the opening meal of camp. And, and so, you know, kids are grumbling. Kids are starting to get a little upset. And so he would have this thing, he taught us, he would say, attitude check, and, and we were taught in response to say, praise the Lord, you know. So that's, that's he just taught that little thing. You know, he could tell the, the troops were starting to murmur, so he'd say, attitude check, and we'd all, we'd just straighten up, right, we're, praise the Lord, I don't know, he had like this military background or something in him, I don't know. Frustrated colonel in an army, I don't know what he was, but... He, he taught us to say, praise the Lord. Now, sometimes we'd say it and we wouldn't really mean it. We'd be like, praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> yeah. We can do that. We can say words that don't have intent. But he, what he taught us is to, to, to make a choice in the circumstance. Make a choice. And we have that power every day to make a choice about whether we're going to grumble, whether we're going to be upset, whether we're going to complain, whether we're going to argue, or that we're going to just say, thank you, God. You know, you know what's best. We can trust you. I was, uh, last week, I think I mentioned in this service about my, my friend Ed. He comes to our church. He and his wife, Anna. They have a little girl, Chelsea, uh, elementary age. And he's fought cancer, two bouts with cancer already. Uh, got through one. A couple years later, boom, has another bout. Got through that, now it's been a couple years, and he'd been having back pain, and he's an athlete, surfer, soccer player, you know, adult, he's a police officer, guy's just strong, built, everything, and, and so back pain, oh, I must have tweaked it, playing soccer, he's kind of down, taking a couple of days off, goes to the doctor, hmm, we should check this, they put an MRI, scan his body, oh, guess what, you've got tumors now in your spine, Cancer. He went within one he went from being strong and healthy to I can't even walk. He was using a walker in his house, and after that, he went to the hospital. So he's having these radiation treatments. So Pastor Mark Campbell and I, he goes to Dawn Patrol and we love Ed. We just he, he said, "Come on out, take a visit." So we went out to John Muir Hospital this week, and I wish I would have taken a picture, because we walked into his room, and there he is in his bed, and he's a big, huge smile. "Hey guys, how are you?" Just big smile. Ed, great, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. God's in control. I'm trusting him. You know, just his face, just countenance, smile, not fake, smile. He said, he sent a little memo out this week. The the people in the hospital just don't understand why I can be so grateful. But he gives glory to God. Now he's gonna have his hard days. He's going through radiation. He's gonna go through chemo treatment. He's getting steroid injections so that he can get his walking back. He's doing therapy that's just kicking and doing all that stuff. But you know what? He's leaning in and he's saying, thank you, God. Between services, I had a burden to call. After yesterday's memorial service for Bruce, I'm walking through the lobby and I see Marina. And her husband, Javier, has had uh, a a bout with cancer that's been really tough. It's been so tough that he hasn't been around for the last three months. Uh, He's been uh, surgery- He's had uh, procedures, and he's, his immune system is so low, they say, you've got to be out of the crowd. You've got to stay away. And he'd love to be here. So he's listening online and everything. But it just struck me. I see Marina. I go, ah, I haven't talked to Javier. So I call Javier today, and I'm on the phone with him, and, and he says, uh, I, how are you doing, Javier? And, and he tells me, he goes, you know, circumstances aren't good, but God is so good. I'm trusting God. I said, Javier, can I quote you on that in my sermon this morning? He goes, of course. He goes, you know, life is challenging, but God is so good. I just, you know, that just ministers to me. How about you? I think about all the stuff that I complain about or I'm worried about. And and then I look at a guy like Ed or Javier, or I could put in dozens of names. I'm looking and seeing folks sitting around here this morning who have gone through and are going through really hard things. But God is good. I can thank him. I can trust him. And it shows on your face. It comes out. Gratitude is what is the telling mark of those who belong to him. It demonstrates our pursuit of living for him. It's what reflects our daily walk with him. And lastly, finally, gratitude to God impacts our relationships among others who belong to him. This might be a little more obscure, but I go to the end here, chapter 3, verse 15, and in three times, three places, all this is in the context of the body. As members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you as you admonish one another, that's the body, as you sing songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks I mean, wow, you talk about overflowing. Here's Paul writing from a prison cell, and he's given us a beautiful, beautiful rendition of what this looks like in real life. As we gather together in God's people, we encourage each other with a thankful countenance. What I see here in this passage is the relationship of gratitude to our community, it impacts our entire community. Being in relationship with others reminds us of our need to be grateful. The people around you this morning sitting in those chairs, the people that you'll bump into in the lobby as you leave here today, the people that you saw coming into church today, believe it or not, are impacted by your own countenance and by your own gratefulness to the Lord. It's so amazing how this works. It's so simple. It's not always the Lord, but let me just give you an example. I was at the store the other day, just this past week, and there was a lady in the other line across, and she just gave me a, just a beautiful smile, and I, I thought that was nice, so I just smiled back, and then I realized she was smiling at the person <laughs> behind me. You ever had that happen? And then she saw that, and then, you know, she just gave me kind of the gratuitous smile, you know, like, <laughs> nice try, you know, whatever. And, you know, that's happened to me. I've shared stories like that before, and I've done that. I just, if you smile at somebody, you know, there's a a response. There's a response. And what we don't realize is the power of our own gratitude when people really need to see it. You may never know how you will change somebody's life Because you chose in that moment of your circumstance to say, thank you, Lord. Don't get it, don't understand it, but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, if I dwelled on the things that are hurtful to me right now, and I've got some stuff going, you do too. I just dwell on that stuff, man, I can go to a dark place really fast. Or I can say, God, thank you for your promise. Thank you that you're not done working yet in that situation. Thank you that you have a plan even though I may not see what it is. Thank you that you cause all things to work together for good to those that love you and call according to your plan. Thank you, Lord. Attitude check. Thankfulness, gratitude is something that we should hear in our prayers, but it's also something that we should see in our faces. And I hope today just this little, simple, simple reminder will help all of us to say more often, God, you are so good. Let's go to the Lord right now. Lord, we want to respond to you. We're gonna do that, Lord, with gifts, financial gifts. We're gonna support the poor. We're gonna support... People in the Philippines, we're going to say, God, how good you are. And I know there are believers, even in places like the Philippines and other places around the world, that as tough as it is there, they are saying, thank you, Lord. And so may we learn the lesson and may we share it with others from our own lives, that God is good all the time. And Lord, if you brought someone to this service today that has never met you, like the person that told me their story this week, would you miraculously pull the curtain back and let them see how good and great you are, that you would forgive their sins and by simply believing on what Jesus, you did at the cross and rising from the grave, they too might have eternal life. And, Lord, in these moments that follow, may we now just begin in our own hearts to respond and say in the only way that we can in our hearts that, God, you are good, you are faithful. We love you, and we thank you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.